0: good morning good morning rabbi Otay. welcome to breakfast in the class breakfast on the class today is dedicated in loving memory and Shmat naima bat yosef ala shalom for azkara sponsored anonymously as well sponsored by stephen Rappaport, the breakfast king dedicated in honor of the rabbanim the chazanim the Gabaim, in recognition for all you do for the community also breakfast in the class is dedicated for the rafuash of all of Am yisrael sponsored anonymously Breakfast in the Class is also dedicated by Sarah Jai Dedicated in honor of Natalie and Michael Dweck in celebration of the birth of their baby boy, Mabruk. Um, Breakfast in the Class is dedicated to loving memory, Luna Shabbat Miriam by Yosef. Alea Shalom. Sponsored by Katie and Eric Goldstein. So good to hear from you again, Eric. And as well, the Week of Cold Brew is sponsored by David E. Ash in honor of you and your substantial capacity to good today and every day. My friends... The end of the parasha deals with a very interesting story. But the expression it uses bears and requires a little bit of analysis. Miriam comes to Aharon Cohen, and she speaks to Aharon, her brother, about Moshe, her other brother. Could you imagine the pressure of being in that family, by the way? You know, imagine you're like born in that family. You're like, oh, what's your name? Oh, my name is David. Oh, what do you do? Oh, I'm just a CPA. Yeah, Aaron's a Cohen Gadol. Moshe is like the leader of the Jewish people. Miriam leading all the women. They're all the whole family. Everyone's a Navi. Then there's like, you know, the, the other kid who like sells Bitcoin. Okay, either way. So, there are no other kids. So, uh, in the story, it's actually quite remarkable. <clears throat> she speaks to Aaron and she says, Odot, about her brother. Odot, Ishak, kushit asher lakach. That Moshe Rabbeinu married... This woman, her name was Sipora. The Chazal explained to us what was he saying, or what was she saying, excuse me, about the woman that Moshe Rabbeinu took. Did they not approve of their sister-in-law? Did they not think she was good enough? What was the chatter? It doesn't tell us in the Pasuk what it was that she said. But Chazal explained to us they record a conversation. A conversation that happens that gets overheard and understood uh, uh, by Miriam, she recognizes and realizes that Moshe Rabbeinu has separated from his wife from Sipporah, not in terms of divorce, in terms of separation, but in terms of marital intimacy. And the reason for that was that since Moshe Rabenu was a Navi, unlike any other Navi or prophet that had ever lived, that G- God would appear to him without any preparation. Every other prophet required a series of steps that would bring them to a state where they were capable of receiving prophecy from God. Therefore, they had no problem being with their husbands or wives because even if they were impure for marital relations, you know, that just would mean that they were not experiencing the Word of God at that time. When they would then become purified, go to the mikveh, become pure again, do the process, get themselves in a state of happiness, of dvekut, of connection to God, then they could experience prophecy. So there wasn't a problem. Whereas with Moshe Rabbeinu, God would and could appear to him at any time. And therefore, if God would appear to him during the time when he was impure, what would happen? How would that work? So therefore, out of the abundance of caution, Moshe Rabbeinu needed to separate. In fact, to illustrate this to Miriam, God appeared to Miriam and Aaron when they were in a state of impurity. And Moshe, then Miriam and Aaron, as soon as they started experiencing the prophecy, recognizing that they were impure and that they shouldn't be receiving that prophecy they were terrified they didn't know what would happen to them they started screaming for water to go to do to dip to become pure but again obviously that wasn't it wasn't possible what god was showing them was this is why exactly what you're experiencing now this is why how dare you speak about avdi moshe about my son moshe about my servant moshe who's trusted in all my house Now, what's interesting to me is that the Pasuk says, specifically where God is explaining to Moshe that Miriam needs to be punished, what does God say? God uses a mashal, a a parable. He says, If a father of flesh and blood, would spit in his daughter's face. In other words, would be very angry with his daughter. You know, wouldn't she uh, be embarrassed? Wouldn't she be kind of uh, hesitant to visit him? Shavua, a week of days. Wouldn't she for seven days not be able to face her father? How much more so with me? And therefore, uh, Miriam cannot travel. She needs to be out of the Mahanot. And they took Miriam, who got Sarat and they brought her outside of the three camps. So the rabbis ask, what is this comparison that God is saying? Look, if her father was upset at her, you know, it might take her a week to, to, get, to get past that. So much more so, how much more so with me? So Shavati yamim, seven days, she needs to be secluded. Uh, she needs to not see me, so to speak, okay? What is this comparison to her father being upset? So the Gaon from Astrov says something incredible. He says, if we go back, this Miriam, she criticizes also someone else in her past. Who else does she criticize? And specifically for issues of marital intimacy. Who else does Miriam criticize? Anyone remember? Sorry? Excellent. Amram. She, she says to her father, your gizera is worse than Parot. What happened? Paro made a decree that they're going to kill all the boys. Amram tells his wife, we should no longer be together, because if we have a boy, they're going to kill it. Why should we bring the child into the world for it to be murdered? Miriam goes to her father and says, how could you do that? your decree is kashemishel Parot Paro's worse than paro, because paro's decree kills boys. Your decree kills boys and girls. So your decree is worse than paro. So Chazal asks, how did Miriam have a right? How did Miriam have the ability to go and give tochacha, to go and tell her father what to do? You're not allowed to speak to your father that way. So what's the answer? The answer is, there's one loophole for a child to correct their father. And that is when the father's doing something wrong. When the child, when the child sees the father's transgressing something, then respectfully the child can come and say to the father, "This is, not, is this not the right way, really? It should be done this way. Again, with the proper respect. So listen to this genius, the, the, uh, the Gaon from Astra. He says that Miriam came to her father and said, you can't separate from your wife. How was she allowed to give him the Tochachah? Because there's a machloket as to when a person fulfills the mitzvah of Piriah and of having children. Bet Shamai says, when do you fulfill the obligation when you have a boy and a girl? Excuse me, when you have uh, two boys. Okay? So in what scenario would Miriam be allowed to tell her father off if she held like the opinion of Bet Shamai? Why? Because at that, at that point in time, what did he have? He had Aharon and he had... Miriam, so you had a boy and a girl. But the other opinion, the opinion of uh, Bet Hillel, is that you have, that with one boy and one girl, you fulfilled your obligation. So if she held like Bet Hillel, Miriam was not allowed to say a word to her father. The only reason why she could, con- she could correct her father is because she held like the opinion of Bet Shammai. She says, Bet Shammai says the mitzvah, is only fulfilled if you have two boys. You don't have two boys, Dad. You only have Aaron and me. However, now when it came to Moshe, and Moshe separated from his wife, why would she be allowed to have this criticism, not of her father, but of her rabbi, because Moshe was the rabbi of all of Israel, if he did something wrong? The only way she'd be allowed to speak against Moshe is if she held of the opinion of, Betilel, because Moshe, what did he have already, we know? Gershom and Eliezer, two boys. So Miriam is literally picking sides here. When she criticizes her father, she follows the opinion of Bet Shammai. When she criticizes her, when she criticizes her brother Moshe, she follows the opinion of Betilel. Therefore, HaKadosh says, Either way, we have a problem here. If she's right about you, Moshe, that's what God says to Moshe, then she has an apology to make to her dad. And if she's right about her dad, then she has an apology to make to you. Therefore, he uses the expression of avi yarok yarak her father being upset because he says, Moshe, you can't defend your sister here. If you defend her, then she has a problem with Amram. If he defends her, she has a problem with you. She needs to learn her lesson. My friends, The reason why I wanted to bring this up is because there's something that I think is a profound lesson that we're learning uh, from this. Not just the the interesting kind of intricacies of what was going on in the halachic mind and the process of understanding in Miriam's brain. But this idea that sometimes we'll correct someone for one reason and sometimes we'll correct either the same person or someone else using the opposite reason, in the same, in the same person. And, uh, let me explain what I mean. You know, sometimes your situation is a Shalom Bayit situation. You know, and uh, your wife might criticize you, you know, for being a little too forward. You know, you said it, you, you know, you really shouldn't speak that way to my parents. You know, I can't believe it, you know, getting involved in my family issues, causing problems, can't believe you did that. You're like, okay, you learned the lesson. Next time, parents say something to their daughter, you're sitting there, you learn the lesson, what do you do? You keep your mouth shut. You walk out, your wife says, I can't believe you didn't stand up for me. <laughs> right? It's true facts. you like, but, 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 Right? It happens oftentimes that a person is criticized or someone criticizes using both sides of the coin. You spend too much money, you spend not enough money. Yeah, Too much chesed, too much deen. Really, you know you have no boundaries. You don't know how to say no. Then next time they come to you, they say, you like, you always say no. This idea that a person can be incongruous, that a person can have uh, no balance in the way that they criticize others, I think there's a tremendous lesson here. And that is, what lies beneath this concept of finding? Is it true that sometimes you should have stood up and sometimes you should have kept your master? It is true. Is it true that sometimes you can attack someone and call them out for the fact that, there's not a, that they don't say no enough and sometimes say that they're saying no too much. Is it true? It is true. But what causes a person to see the negative side in both instances? What causes that? And I think that that's a very interesting thing for us to think about. I always love referring back to Rambam when Rambam describes this story of Miriam. A story that we have an obligation to remember every day. In the zichirot, one of the things that we remember is to remember what happened with Miriam. What a crazy thing! She has a comment. Who does she make this comment to? Who she make the comment to? Her brother Aaron. She doesn't take out a billboard in the Sinai Desert. What does Moshe think he's doing? Hashtag me too. She doesn't put him on, call him out on Instagram. Right, she doesn't shout at him in front of the Sanhedrin. She goes to her brother, Aharon, and she says, she has a conversation that she's worried about her younger brother. What is he doing? He's doing the wrong thing. Miriam cares about her younger brother. She's not trying to do him any ill will. She has no ill will. She's not trying to harm him. Rambam says, look at how powerful Lashon HaRa is. That with all of the excuses, i didn't mean harm i didn't do it publicly i didn't embarrass the person Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't embarrassed he didn't even know about it only after god told him did Moshe bin know about it so with all of the reasons why Lashon Ara was okay over here still Miriam Nevia, on her level because she's such a tzadiket god deals with the tzadikim and uh tr- and punishes tzadikim like the width of a hair, because he expects much more from them. You know, you could have a CEO fired for saying one bad sentence. Why? Because so much depends on that CEO. If you said the wrong thing, took the wrong side, gave us the wrong optics, you could bring down the whole company. Nobody cares if the janitor said that same sentence. Why? Because his words don't carry that level of clout. Miriam Nevia, even privately, is being judged uh, for saying Lashonara, but says Rambam, look and see and notice how seriously Judaism takes speaking badly about people. You said something between you and someone else. Your intentions were good. You were coming from the opinion of Bet Hillel or Bet Shammai. Hashem's like, I don't care. Lashonara is fire. And when you play with fire, you get burned. So how do we avoid speaking Lashonara? What is a person supposed to do? You know? You're not allowed to say anything. What's a person supposed to do? So I want to share with you one bit uh, of advice. And I'm, I'm reminded of a story we shared once before. I think it was Rabbi Galinsky that went at the time to the stipend to Rabbi Israel Yaakov Kanievsky. And he said to him, he asked him a question about whether something was the appropriate thing to do, is it the right thing to do, the wrong thing to do, I understand that it's allowed. Anyway, two minutes later, while they're having the conversation, the stipler's grandchild walked into the room and she picked up a candy and she said is this kosher? And the stipler Yisrael Yakov Kanievsky smiled at Rav Galinsky and he said you see This is today's generation. They only ask if they're allowed to eat it. They don't ask if they should. Not everything you're allowed to say should you say. So some people tell me it's so hard, the laws of Lashon HaRa, I don't know exactly what I'm allowed to say, what I'm allowed to say, what I'm allowed to say. Don't talk about what you're allowed to say. That should not be the barometer. If you're dealing with the edge, you're sitting right by the cliff. If your question is not, am I allowed to say this, but should I say it? If that's how you decide what to speak about, it becomes a heck of a lot easier to keep the laws of Lashon Ara. Because it's not about what you're allowed to say. Is this something that I should say? That is important to say? How many times are we saying Lashon Ara about somebody that you know what who cares why this person that's sitting next to you are they going to solve the situation for you do you know that information a hundred percent accurate do you know that it's true and do you know that it's true today maybe the person changed his mind or changed his ways how would you know you think he sends out a message to all of his friends i did teshuva so is your information current Is your information something that you saw and witnessed with your own eyes? Do you know that this relaying of that information, even if those things are true, are going to change the situation for the better? If it's not, what benefit is there in sharing these words with somebody else? People should know, Rabbi. People need to know. Really? Why? Why do people need to know? (laughs) He's presenting himself as if he's this and he's really this. So what? You have a specific case. Someone comes to you and they ask you. You have personal information. You know for a fact, your own eyes, you know it's still true. Guy is a thief. Someone says to you, I'm thinking of investing with this guy. Now you can call me and we can have a conversation. Why? Because there's a mitzvah in that instance. <laughs> you have information, you know it's correct, you know with your own eyes, maybe you need to say something. But my friends, if that's not the case, what benefit is there in spreading bad uh, language, or spreading evil gossip about somebody? We learn from Miriam that even when you have all the answers in the world, and even when she's backed up by someone like Bet Hilel Bet Shammai, and even if her intentions are pure, and even if she didn't say it in public, she still suffers this lesson. And that's why I think the Torah says, remember Miriam forever. Because she was the best Baalat Lashon Hara ever. She did it with the best reasons and the best intentions and the best excuses. There's no one who's going to say Lashon Hara in a better way than Miriam did. And yet, she was punished. Could you imagine? And by the way, I always say this, you know. uh, We know that the people, Am Yisrael, the whole time that Miriam was uh, in seclusion as a Mitzorat, I'm Israel. The whole of the Jewish people waited for her and they didn't travel. As a reward for the fact that when Miriam went to the river with uh, Moshe, she stayed there to watch over what would become the future redeemer of the Jewish people. So the whole Jewish people waited until Miriam was ready. (laughs) I, I always read this Pasuk and I start laughing. You know, when you're really late to an event and they're like, Where are you? Where are you? What do you always tell them? Start without me. Start, just start. I'll be there soon. You get to an event and they waited for you and the whole place wait. How do you feel? You feel like a dip. Right? What do you tell them? You should have started. <laughs> Yesterday I was on my way to a wedding. My tov to the Cohen and Perlstein families. I was on my way to this wedding. We got caught in terrible traffic. So I got a message from someone in the family, where are you? <laughs> I got to this stupid bridge, Shema Israel. You ever hear of a bridge that doesn't take easy pass? I've heard of that. Okay, you're behind the times, no problem. Not only do not take easy pass, they don't take a credit card. <laughs> They're like, you, it's $2, who carries, ca- I don't carry, you carry cash anymore? Anyone here carries cash in your pocket? Okay, Stephen, okay, that's all, God bless. This is a man in the financial world. If he's carrying cash in his pocket, you know that that's what he thinks about the markets. (laughs) Don't even do online banking. He doesn't do online. I'm there with my phone. I'm ready to Apple Pay, you know, Google. You know, Google Pay. I've got my credit cards. You know, I don't know what to do. I was like, should I write you a star? Like, I'm not sure at this point, what to do. So the lady, she's like, no, no problem. She gets out for 20 minutes. She's taking, copying down the license, the driver's license. She gets out of the booth. She's looking at, my, at, the, at the license plate. She's writing it all down by hand. She, gets, she goes, uh, yeah, send it in by check or money order. <laughs> Unbelievable. So I'm late to the event. I said, please don't wait for me. It's so embarrassing. The whole place is waiting for you. On the one hand, what is Sachar for Miriam? The whole Jewish people wait for her. On the other hand, <laughs> if you're like 10 minutes late for a wedding, you get there, everyone's like, Rabbi, Rabbi, right? If they need to wait for you for the minyan, you come late to the class, right? Everyone's looking at you. <laughs> imagine they, Imagine I was supposed to give Shabbat afternoon class. I always come a few minutes late, but, right? Imagine Shabbat afternoon class. <laughs> I don't turn up till the next week. Everyone's still waiting there, mooting in their chairs. She kept them waiting a week! Thank you, thank you, Stephen. Okay? You understand? Challenge. And yet, I think that's the point why we made such a big deal out of it. In order to be able uh, to have a kaparaf for Miriam, that Miriam had this, how many sins does this great Tzadiket have? Only one that we're aware of in the whole Torah. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave her a method, a mechanism of kapara through this. That she spoke about someone. What's everyone talking about? Oh, can we travel today? Oh, no, not yet. Miriam's not ready. She's still Mitzorat. Oh, can we go now? No, no, she can't because she spoke Lashon <laughs> about Moshe Rabenu. The kapara was... That she had someone speaking about her. And my friends, that also applies to each and every one of us. You know, you think you're speaking about someone else. That's what's happening in other people's mouths about you. Because, midah neged, midah. and sometimes you're not sure how come someone is treating you differently. You have no idea. There'll be things you even don't know about that happened because someone was careless in their words. There'll be jobs you don't get. There'll be shiduchim that won't go out with you. There'll be opportunities that are denied to you. There'll be time when your kids won't get into school. I had it once with the school. They didn't accept my children into school because they heard. (laughs) So when I spoke to the governor at the time of the school, we heard that. So I said, Do you guys have, do you teach in the school about Lashon HaRa to the children? He says, yeah, we have a big campaign. I was like, maybe the governor should take that course. I heard, Shem Yishmor. Hashem should bless us uh, and protect us from being victims of Lashon HaRa. Uh, But even more so, Hashem should bless us and protect us from being perpetrators of Lashon HaRa because that will ultimately be a guardianship. And if a person witnesses, that these things are happening to him or her, then maybe one of the ways, especially for singles in Shiduchim, that are seeing that people are saying things about them that are getting in their way, one of the antidotes to that is to become super strict with the laws of Lashon Hara yourself. And when you become super strict yourself, then it acts as a shmirah as well for you. Baruch